This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Welcome in, everybody, to this fourth episode of the 2018, 2017-2018 season of Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast. We got a line change. Not a complete line change. Still Rafael Leo with you over here and Matt Murphy. But we're going to sub in Dom Muscarello for this episode instead of Matt Costantini. Uh, Dom, so you get the you get the first word, obviously, because you're the new line mate here. Um, I don't like that. Why yeah. does that make sense? Well, because I just like we, being we the only need Matt. His voice to get heard so that people know who's talking. Hey, I like being the only Matt voice because heard. you always would say like address a question and then say Matt and then people just didn't know who it was. Oh, well, right, I, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Two I Matt's. said Murph or, or Matt, and maybe that would have been a better way to go. About fair it enough. If I didn't. Fair enough. Maybe. Got to break anyway, up the we're Matt g- defense pair. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna still talk about the. Uh, we're gonna still go with the same line that we used last week. Line up for the local teams. We're gonna go Rangers, Devils. Islanders, and no disrespect to the Devils getting that second line, uh, but the Rangers obviously are still the top story just because of, even if the, it's for the wrong reason, they're still, I think, the top story here. The Devils, very exciting team, will line them up second, and the Islanders, Don Muscarella's team over here, uh, doing absolutely nothing to gain my interest. <laughs> then we're going to go into a little bit of a buy and sell uh, type thing. I have I have three buy and sells that I want to get your takes on. Then we'll wrap up for this episode number four. So let's get right into it. The New York Rangers. We said it last week. Will this continue? We said that last week for the Devils too. Will this continue? Well, for the Rangers, and unfortunately for the Rangers, it has. They're still not getting together defensively, and they're not putting the puck in the back of the net. Well, yeah, they only have 13 goals, and Zibanejad has five, so that somebody else has got to step up. And defensively, there's a lot of question marks. There were about Hank coming in in net, and then now it's about who's going to play with McDonough for the rest of the year. So a ton of question marks with this team, but if you can't score, you can't win. So that's that's really where it starts for me. It's getting to the point where early in the year, they had some nice things going, especially with Zibanejad scoring all those goals really quickly kind of solving some of their center problems that might have been a thing going into the year but still are still are but a couple players have come out and established themselves now it's getting to the point where they do need to actually start getting wins and storylines aren't as important anymore because this is what happened to the islanders last year where they dug themselves such a hole early on i don't know what their exact record was but it wasn't pretty through about 10 games i think they might have been two and eight at one point and then the surge they put on at the end of the year wasn't enough I can see the similar thing happening to the Rangers if they continue to falter. Don't compare the Rangers to the Islanders. <laughs> no, very, very similar. I get what you're saying. It was a very a, a stretch at the beginning of the season that when Doug Waite came in as interim and they were having a great end to the season, they were unable to dig themselves out of it. And the problem with the Rangers right now is hockey's moved to this ebb and flow type of game where one team commands flow of play then another team commands the flow of play and what makes the difference during that time is what team scores more goals when they have control of the ice during their flow and the problem with the rangers is they're just not scoring during those times we saw it against the devils this past weekend when they commanded that first period and they were only able to get a goal out of it that's not that that can't happen if you're going to give up the rest of the the second period and the third period and just not command play at all you got to score more goals than when you are in control of play. Right. I mean, Rick Nash scored a goal against the Devils, but still Kreider, Buchnevich, and Jimmy Vesey all goalless so far through 
six games. So that's a problem. I mean, it, it's just right now it's about who's going to step up with Sabanajad. I know Matt Zuccarello has five points, a goal and four assists, but in that goal column, a lot of question marks right now for this team. Luckily for the Rangers, they do have five home games coming up in addition to the one they already played against New Jersey where and they six, lost. six of the last seven to close out October are at home. So. Right, because they play the, the road game against Montreal and then one against uh, Vegas. Vegas on Halloween. It's gonna Vegas be on cool Halloween. Game. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Um, but I'm looking at the, the home schedule, and we were talking about it beforehand. You start off with the Penguins, Islanders, Predators. but It is a tough group. But looking at the Penguins and Islanders in general, those are two games that you, you have a chance to really show – who you are in front of, you know, teams that you need to really prove yourself against because if you want to go to the postseason, that those are the teams that are going to be in front of you. And I, the, I don't think they're better than the Penguins at this point. I, the Islanders, I, I don't know. Uh, we'll get into the Islanders talk in, in a couple of minutes, but right now the Rangers are in a place where they're sloppy defensively because their defensive pairings are inconsistent, and that's that's a coaching problem. Again, we'll get into we'll get into the AV situation a little bit later on in this episode. That's a coaching problem, but the problem of turnovers and not putting the puck in the back of the net, that's a personnel issue. That's an issue where JT Miller in that game against the Devils needs to bury that puck instead of shoot it at the chest. That's just that's not going to change with the coaching change. That's a personnel problem. And everything at the beginning of any season in any sport really stands out. All the stats and everything, all the team stats. They're magnified, obviously. Special teams, I mean, you could say, hey, the Rangers' power play needs to be better. They're one of their last 14, but they scored four power play goals in the first two games. So everything kind of stands out early in the season. I'm, I'm not pushing the panic button, but definitely a lot left to be desired right now for the Rangers. Let's go into the Devils talk because we said it last season, This uh, last week, this week made would make a big difference in whether or not we're really getting into the hype of the Devils. And in terms of hype, I don't know about it. But in terms of excitement, I'm definitely on board because this team, if anything, it, it, whether they're real or not, whether they, they have the chance to make a postseason run or not, whether they're going to stay at, atop the Metropolitan or not, forget about all that. They're at least exciting to watch. Right Before the season, I think a lot of people identified them as a team that, especially in the Metropolitan, probably wasn't going to go anywhere. But they obviously had... A fair number of things to watch for, number nice number of storylines, and now they've got the results too. They win a, t- a pair of incredibly tough road games in the four. I, depending on how you feel about the Rangers, but they're still the Rangers. So they beat the Rangers at home or uh, on the road, and then they had the six-three win against Toronto, which is Toronto can skate with anybody at this point. So to see these young guys for the Devils actually get results now is is something that fans will enjoy and something that the Devils organization will enjoy no matter how long it lasts and everyone's talking about young teams this year fast players and that that conversation starts with the Toronto Maple Leafs so for the Devils to go on the road and beat them six to three and to score that many goals in doing so I think that kind of legitimized the Devils in a lot of people's minds for me it goes back to it being early in the season I know we're going to do the buy sell segment but that kind of that kind of put them over the top at least in terms of early season surprise discussions and then they did lose 5-2 to the Capitals in the next game before beating the Rangers. So I'm I'm surprised at how well they're scoring over four goals a game right now. I don't know if it's sustainable, especially because Jesper Bratt is their leading scorer, and he hasn't even scored in the last three games, and he was a sixth-round pick last year. So I don't know how sustainable it is, but a good story that kind of gained a little bit even more momentum after beating a very good Maple Leafs team. Yeah, I'm surprised that their offense is just doing as much as to keep their defense, which hasn't been great, 
keeping their defense really at a point where they look a little bit better than they are, I think, just because of how well this offense is playing. But if you look at, at hockey in general, young players right now commanding play, uh, and as I was talking about the ebb and flow, that kind of really is the game that the Devils have been playing. They have the young guys, Will Butcher. Um, we already mentioned Je- uh, Jesper Bratt. Uh, they have a, they have a young team. They have a good team now with with Henrique in there as well. Uh, I want to say that they're 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 a legit threat just based on those numbers, just based on those guys on the team and the way that they play. They're playing really well behind the net as well and around the net. I think that 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 the lead up to most of their goals has been as impressive or more impressive than the actual goals themselves. So I want to buy into that kind of theory but you know it's never the case it's just you have to have some experience and some consistency that you don't get within three weeks of the regular season it just doesn't come that easy I think the defense will eventually catch up to them you know this team is they weren't projected to do very well and you know they've got the great scoring to start and then you like you mentioned I was going to go into that as well the goaltending has been very good for the Devils. Corey Schneider has been everything that he wasn't last year. Last year, the the defense really held him back, but this year, at least through his first four starts, he's been precise, he's been great, and then Keith Kincaid's one start was very good as well. So the goaltending has picked up the, the defense, so they've got two of the three down. They've got the goaltending, they got the offense. At one point, we can probably expect the offense to regress a little bit more than the defense progresses, so I think that's where a lot of the, you know, loss will come for the Devils. But again, you know, they expected that. So I don't really believe in the team too much, but, you know. I totally agree on both of those points. And I think part of the offensive regression is going to have to do with how many shots they're putting on goal per game. That's been the story the last couple of years. The Devils don't shoot enough. They don't get enough pucks to the net. And they were the, through the first two games when they started out 2-0. and And now their overall average is below 30 per game, 28.6 shots per game. So I really don't see their consistent offense as of now, keeping up at all. More about that to come. Let's move on to the New York Islanders, still in our third spot, still just failing to make me move them back up to where they started this season at number two, even though they are, I guess, at at least they're a happy medium here. I'm sure the fans are just coasting through early on in the season. Dom, you could back me up maybe. I I just know the Devils fans right now are excited, but also on the edge of their seats waiting for them to fall off. And I know that the Rangers fans right now are frustrated because they know of the potential. The Islanders right now are at the middle of this seesaw where right now they, they, its expectation has really not been exceeded or they, they haven't also fallen off. So how, about that, how about that Islanders power play right now? Yeah, they've got a, a whopping for, zero goals. 0 for 18. Yep, they are tearing it up on that power play. So And they've had a ton of opportunities, and the opportunities have been clustered too, and it's frustrating to see them lose games by a goal. They've, been, they've had a few of those, and then miss, not score a single goal on the power play, and you sit there and They've say, been 0 for 5 in a game. I think that, that might have been when they, they lost to Anaheim, who was also like 0 for 4 on the power play, so mm-hmm. not great special teams in that game. But. I think the game against the St. Louis Blues, they had a ton of opportunities to at least, or to win it before they ended up tying it. That a couple of extra opportunities to actually score goals to win it in regulation and then end up going to the shootout and losing. But as a whole, the effort has been pretty good. Weirdly enough, the game they played against Anaheim was probably their best effort of the season. They controlled play for most of the game and lost and then played 
a tired San Jose Sharks team the next game, and they did not play as well, but still won. The Sharks controlled most of the play, especially at the end. The Islanders played a brutal third period, but still came away with the win on the back of Thomas Grice, who was very good. And then this past game against L.A., they 3-2. to two, That was the game with the Dowdy sh- shorthanded goal. And they the Islanders played a very good third period in that game, but again, it wasn't enough because they had stretches where they just didn't play very well. It's like you were saying earlier, this is a team that plays very well at times and doesn't capitalize during that time when they're playing well. And then the other teams, you know, they'll find these shorthanded goals or they won't let them get a single power play goal, which is, you know, when they should be playing at their best, but they're just not able to capitalize on getting the advantages. Dom, what have you thought about the defense in front of Grice and in front of Halak so far this year? Because a big offseason storyline was Travis Hamanick going to the Flames. Overall, I feel like they're kind of just a middle-of-the-pack defensive group. I agree, yeah. Hamanick had... Hamanick wasn't at his best when they traded him, but it's still a loss for the team. So they have a bunch of guys who aren't necessarily, you know, peak NHL defensemen on the roster right now. But as a whole, it's been all right. The goaltending has picked them up a little bit too. Halak and Grice have both had games where they've had 40-plus saves. Yeah, Grice had 40 a couple game, two games ago, and his first two starts were the games they lost early right. in the year. Right, they've had a ton of games where they've had so many shots faced, and... As a result, that never looks good on the defense. So this is kind of getting into another situation. Even when the Islanders were a good team when they made the playoffs, they still leaned on the goaltending an incredible amount. And if they're going to start falling into those lapses again, that'll be a situation where you say, oh, if one of the goaltenders starts to break down a little bit, they start bleeding points and don't get as far as they could if the defense were a little bit better. Islanders visit the Rangers on Thursday. They have three days off after that uh, loss to the Kings. So... Let's go into now a bit of a shootout segment here where uh, I have I have three buy and sell, and yeah, I think it's self-explanatory, I hope. Um, Devils, you buying or selling the hype on them? Selling. Like I said before, you know, this offense, it's, it's, it's okay, but it's not, not as good as it's letting on, and then the defense will end up hurting the goaltending in the long run. I'm selling pretty hard on the Devils. I know I debated uh, the beginning of the year, I think off the air with James Corrigan, who works at the station, and he's a big Devils fan. And we were talking about the Devils and the Flyers towards the bottom of the Metropolitan Division. And I was saying the Devils just don't have anybody that's a Claude Giroux or a Wayne Simmons-type player. I mean, you can't rely on Jesper Bratt and Adam Henrique and those guys for the rest of this year. Yeah, I'm going to sell on them because when they hit that tough streak, that tough stretch, that is going to come. It just happens with the best of teams in the NHL, and they're definitely not the best of teams. They're not going to be able to keep that slide from going up. They don't have the experienced guys on the team to get out of that rut. I, I just don't on, see that happening. And on defense, I know you got an experienced college player coming in as a rookie, Will Butcher, but he's leading the league in points for a rookie. Eight assists, all eight of his points are assists, but no one was talking about him at the start of the year, so it's just an impressive start for him. Everyone was talking if, in terms of rookie defenseman Charlie McAvoy from the Bruins, and now Will Butcher's in that conversation. How long can he can he go for? So yeah. we'll see. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't see it as well. Are you buying and selling the fact that AV is in the hot seat? I'm buying that. I mean, I I think most fans who are plugged into the Rangers and watch the games know that there's been some questionable lineup decisions throughout the season so far. So I feel like you have to buy it, and then when. Being a coach is all about winning games. Bottom line, at the end of the day, if the moves he was making were resulting in Ws, he wouldn't be on the hot seat. But since they're 1-5, you got to buy that right now, I think. 
I think I'll buy it as well. He ha- kind of has the hot seat trajectory, if you will, in terms of he made the playoffs a bunch of years in a row, but the fans kind of perceived that they underperformed a little bit a lot of the time, or at least didn't perform as well, or didn't take advantage in the playoff series when they should have. And if this is the year where they finally don't make the playoffs and have no results, then it looks a little bit more justified to let him go rather than say, you know, hey, we won a playoff series or two, but we didn't, you know, you didn't make it to the Stanley Cup, so we're going to fire you now. Whereas now, if he doesn't even make the playoffs or barely squeaks in and has a first round exit, then that's more grounds for a potential firing. I'll be different and I'll say I'll sell that because I don't think right now as it stands, he's even on the verge of the hot seat. I think if this season goes on and the Rangers miss the playoffs and it's it's a season as we see it these first this first month and that just continues on, yeah, he's going to be on the hot seat. What coach wouldn't? But at the moment, right now, as I said before, this team has a lot of blame on it and some of it's going to go on coach, but a lot of it's going to go on everyone else. I don't like the fact that the def- that the defense is not being able to commingle with each other, that they're not being able to get comfortable with each other on defensive pairings. I don't like that. That's a coach fault. But in terms of everything else, you got to score. You got to defend. There's no excuse for an NHL player to not do those things when they have the opportunity to. That's not a coaching fault. And he has... He's been consistent in terms of making the postseason. He's given them the chance to win. I don't think that goes away in the first month of the season. Last one, is Austin Matthews on the verge of becoming the new face of the NHL so quickly after we had named Connor McDavid that face of the NHL? I mean, we might have a Crosby-Ovechkin situation on our hands here. I mean, I, I don't think we can surplant McDavid right now, even though I kind of want to. I mean, Austin Matthews has looked awesome. But it goes against my theory about the beginning of the season thing because he did start the season great last year with that four-goal game in his first game. He has the same amount of points through this many games as he did last year. He still finished with, I think, 40 goals or or slightly over 40. I think it's still McDavid right now, but I'm close to buying it. I'm I'm somewhere in between, but overall, I'll sell it. I also think I'm selling, but I think Matthews has the better situation around him. He's in the huge media market of Toronto. The team around him, I think, is better than Edmonton. I do think that McDavid is the better player, but Toronto is the more complete team. And if that leads Toronto to more success, again, it's only a small sample size, but Toronto is first place in their division. Edmonton isn't. If that kind of continues for the year, Edmonton will get there. But if Toronto emerges as the team of the NHL, then Matthews will get there, even if McDavid is the slightly better player, I think. I think they're both going to be playing meaningful hockey uh, as we get into the stretch, so I'm I'm definitely selling on they're it. They're somewhat different. It's kind of like when you think about Sidney Crosby when he was coming up. It's all about his all-around game and his impact on the team. Then you talk about Ovechkin when he gets on the power play, that shot of his. And with, with uh, McDavid, oh, look how fast he is. And with Matthews, his release is so good on his shots. So they, they both bring different things to the table. I think from an all-around standpoint, too soon to, to not talk about Connor McDavid. Yeah, Matthews has, I, I think he, he was always notorious for having maybe the, the better shot, the edge on the shot. I don't, I, I, again, I'm not buying that. I'm definitely not ready to dethrone Connor McDavid this early. Uh, we just had uh, Sidney Crosby there for, what, the last decade? So, yeah, I'm not ready to uh, to put McDavid down right now and... Yeah, right now, 
Austin Matthews is the best player in the NHL the way he's playing right now. But right now, Jesper Brad is playing really well. <laughs> right now, Will Butcher's playing well. The Devils are playing really well. Not to roast the Devils, of course, but I will. Um, but that's going to do it for us on episode number four. Again, this one was back at its normal slate, right back at a Monday afternoon. So download 5 on 3 every Monday afternoon. We'll be back with episode 5 next week. The Rangers trying to put out the flames, trying to settle down. The Devils trying to keep up with this high-energy, high-pace-of-play kind of thing that they have going on, and the Islanders are just playing. So for uh, Dom Muscarella and Matt Murphy, I'm Rafael Leah. Have a good week, everybody. Tune into 5 on 3 next week.